This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, happy Valentine's Day, all you lovers. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you here on One Bills Live. And uh, we, you know, we got some stuff to slosh around. Yeah, uh, yeah. The old football pit here. And, you know, we'll do that. Uh, through the course of the show. Yeah, I, I can't get it out of my... We were talking about... How, how long is it going to be? We get into the draft, and I, we're going to do this another day because we can't talk about it now, but i got to say it so I can stop talking about it. How long is it going to be in this NFL draft before one of the analysts goes, I don't like the pick? Yeah, I... I said, You're saying top pick, ten. Pick five. Pick it's gonna five. Happen. It's going to happen by Nah, pick I think it'll be in the someone's going to do... As soon as somebody does something out of the ordinary, somebody's going to have a problem with it. Yeah, but but uh, but listen, I'm they're going to... It's because they like somebody else better, right? That analyst is going to say, oh, what are they right, doing? they got to take this guy. They need this guy. They need this guy. And they take that guy. Right. But there are no grounds to pan a pick just because your opinion is different, and yet we see it every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that You're was my— You're panning a pick because your opinion differs from the opinion of the personnel staff in the NFL that has studied those people and scouted those people and, for the better part of 10 months. And looked them in the eye and talked to those people. Yes, yeah. on multiple occasions. That's how we got... That's Uncanny, isn't I, it? You know, you think back to when they, the Bills picked Josh. It was... It was... It was... Epic. I was a little concerned. Epic. Oh, everybody I'll, was. I won't lie. None of us knew, and he had reason to be. Who, who could not? You could, there's all kinds of holes you could poke in his resume, but you know, it turns out he's this unicorn, and you know, you know. here we are. Uh, speaking of one, Josh Allen, he is out on the golf course once again, as he is at the Genesis Invitational, taking part in a pro am round today and he is paired with none other than tiger woods steve that's out there right in pacific palisades which is outside the la metro area um mm-hmm. paired up with tiger woods just met him last year one year later now he's playing 18 holes with him that is that is a bucket list item if you play golf that's right get you know because we, we didn't mention it. We might have mentioned it yesterday. He came out with his new logo and his new look, you know, over the last couple of days. Oh, his clothing Tiger, line. His yeah. clothing line now that he's with somebody TaylorMade. other. He's with TaylorMade now. And, uh, and this is a big event, for, I think, for Tiger, isn't he? Coming back trying to win and then Josh getting a chance to play with him. Josh making the rounds. What is Tiger doing in that photo? Is he wiping his club face on the back of his leg? It looks that's, like he is. That's a golf thing. Yeah, it yeah. is. That's oh, a yeah, common yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, common. Okay. Yeah, because you got to have the face of the clean club face. clean. Yeah, and you, you don't have your. You just do it on the back of your pant leg. I thought that's why you had a towel on your back. Well, you do, but you grab it out of the bag, and your caddy is slacking, or you're at the range, and you you know, okay. you don't have your back towel there. You just you do that on the back of your. Right. Guys do it with the putter. You usually use your hand because it's a little more precise. But All right. on the irons, just on the back of the leg. That's why you see guys with dirt on the back of their pant leg sometimes. Now we know. Particularly on the range because you're hitting ball after ball after ball after ball. You don't, and you don't have wanna, time to go over Yeah, you don't want to go over and, you know. I'm in a groove. I don't exactly. Wanna... <laughs> now, you're, now you're getting it. And you don't need it every, every swing either. So, you know. There you go. Yeah, so that's cool. So uh, Josh taking in 18 with uh, none other than Tiger Woods at the Pro-Am round at the Genesis Invitational. Pretty cool stuff there for him. Um, 
Not too much else going on except the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade uh, happened this morning. As uh, for the second straight year, they paraded through downtown Kansas City. I didn't even, I know NFL Network was covering the event. Needless to say, Steve and I did not turn our televisions on this morning. I just can't stomach that. Um, But yeah, they're uh, celebrating their latest Super Bowl title in their uh, overtime win over the 49ers on Sunday. So congrats to them, you know. They did what had they had to do to win the game yeah. and advance in the playoffs and all that jazz. Yeah, so. they, and they signed they signed Steve Spagnola today to a contract five-year extension. contract extension. So their defensive coordinator staying around. He's probably retiring um, off that contract. Five more years, man. That's a long time. I mean, he's not a spring chicken. Well, so he's the only. We said this yesterday. The only coordinator in NFL history with to win four championships: two with the Chiefs, two with the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, bless his heart. Yeah, the only other coaching news, and this really is kind of a minor deal, but uh, the Commanders are hiring 49ers assistant head coach Anthony Lynn to be their run game coordinator. That hiring obviously took until San Francisco's playoff run was over. So that took place. He knows Commanders head coach Dan Quinn pretty well. So that's the connection there. And Lynn is expected to work with offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury uh, there in Washington. We know Cliff likes to throw the ball all over the yard. Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn's like, yeah, you know what? Let's uh, let's have somebody that knows the run game a little bit uh, to help you out there. What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> so you don't throw it 60 times and run it 10, right. um, which under Cliff Kingsbury could happen at any any given week. Yeah, they got that air raid offense they run. Um, he does like to sling it. He was with uh, Kyler Murray in college and in the pros. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. They've, it's it's been throwing it all the time with you know spreading it out and going fast and going you know just throwing it throwing it throwing it has been tried before in the NFL with limited success some success no question, um, but there's I'll never forget it. There's coaches always coaches out there that go on and they're you know they either got a, a, a dip in or they're mm-hmm. smoking a, a lung dart and they're going you got it yes yeah. <laughs> You still got to run it when they know you're going to run it. Yeah. You know. Uh, Sound a little like Carl Mock there. Yeah. Well, there you go. The old so, offensive line coach. Um, under to, at Phillips. this point in history, it's a fair debate to have. How physical and how much of a running game do you have to have to be successful? And can you go too far the other way? Like, we're going to find out in L.A. because Jim Harbaugh is going to run it. Well, that's what he did in San Francisco. Everybody else was throwing the ball. He just got the biggest offensive line he could sign and then started running the tar out of the ball. Right. Not to mention the fact that he eventually switched over to Colin Kaepernick, who was a running quarterback on top right. of it. So, yes. I, I, with Justin Herbert, who he has been absolutely gaga about since he signed on to be the head coach of the Chargers, I don't anticipate they're going to be running it a lot, but probably more than that team has run well, it I mean, in recent years. You say that. But he may oh, do it exactly. He, exact, he may much. do it exactly like he may. Well, he's saying that. No, he. You don't know what. It did you see thinks. him in the press conference? Yeah. You would have thought that Justin Herbert was the prodigal son. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was a little embarrassing, like over the moon. I know. Like but it was. Still. It was like puppy love at a press conference. It was unbelievable. Still though, you're going to go in there and you're going to. He's going to. He's going to do what he does. That's all I think. That's what I think. Okay. 
and the fact that whenever he wants to throw it, whenever that may be on third and long, it might be the only time he runs throws it, he wants to have that guy back there. Yeah. I don't know. I it's going to be interesting to see, and at this point in the NFL history, we're still evol- the game evolves every year. We talk about it all the time. It's going to be a little different. The Bills are going to be way different. The Chiefs are going to be way different. All these teams are going to be way different, whether they like to run it back or not. And you, you find yourself, and you go back, and I, I got stuff on my timeline all day here today about the way the league finger quotes used to be. You know, the Pro Bowl used to play football in, and this is what a big hit well, used to look like. That's pretty accurate. Well, yeah. But it ain't, it ain't like that anymore. That's my whole point. You may be able to go run and shoot. Or as Buddy Ryan used to say, chuck and duck. You know? Yeah. But does that really apply to Jim Harbaugh? I don't know. He'll have to convince me. I mean, he went to Michigan and went back to running the football. But you've got... You got a top five quarterback now. Well, that kid in Michigan was supposed to be a top five guy, huh? I'm, I'm not going to. Huh? Say, I'm not going to. Huh? Say, I'm not saying anything. Come on. Um, All right. Elsewhere Still. around the NFL, we told you last week that there were reports indicating that Hassan Reddick was looking to be traded, unhappy with his contract, feeling as though he outperformed it. And now he has since come out after seeing that report and saying, whoa, 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 I I didn't ask for a trade. I'm just ready for what's next. So maybe he, maybe somebody heard him say something originally that he didn't think would get out and it did, and now he's trying to cover it up. Or maybe he legitimately did not give any indication that he wanted a trade. Or maybe 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 his agent screwed up too. Or maybe he said exactly that. And yes. now he's backtracking. Yeah, backpedaling. He said something else that he absolutely meant he would like to trade, but he didn't want to say it outright, and he's now he's backpedaling. Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting twist. Because let's face to it, that story that when that season ended, that Eagles team was going down in flames, in flames. Yeah. And then there were some articles that came out that it was it was a it was a little bit of a group dynamic experiment mm-hmm. that had gone horribly wrong in Philly's locker room and the coaching staff and relationships and all of that stuff. So there was a reason they went belly up at the last second half of the season. And that, and that's why you think, you know, guys are like going, listen, get me out. Right. Now he might not want really want out. He might want him to just say, Hey, fix it and stick around. But I think that's one way a player can express discontent with how things went at the end of the season is by saying, listen, I'm, I'm ready for anything. If you get me out of here, that's fine. I'm not asking for a trade, but I'm, I'm saying I'm open to it kind of thing. It was bad. I think it was bad in Philly, worse than maybe we know. We'll find out eventually. Depending on whether he's there or not there, then we'll maybe know the real story. Yeah, Or maybe. the rest of the story, <laughs> as it were. Paul Harvey. Uh did you see John Feliciano get himself in hot water? Yes. So John Feliciano on the heels of the Super Bowl. We all remember the Chris Jones play that many feel negated a touchdown opportunity for the 49ers late in that game. Chris Jones comes unblocked and rushes Brock Purdy, who has to hurry his pass to Jawan Jennings, and as a result cannot get it to the open receiver for what looked like it could have been a touchdown. 
So, you know, there's a lot of talk post game from the media. Hey, what happened on that play? Who was supposed to block? And then it migrates over to social media where no doubt Niner fans are like, hey, what's going on? Why didn't anybody block the guy? You can't even, you know, do a, a quick chop just to slow him down. So John Feliciano responds on social media and basically says a quick chop is not needed if the guy that was supposed to block him blocks him. So now he didn't identify who, but then his teammate who was supposed to block him decides to reply to Feliciano. So it's bad enough you got Feliciano engaging with the general public. Right. Saying, well, if the guy that was supposed to do it did it, we wouldn't have had that problem. Basically saying one of my teammates screwed up. Which, is, I, which is obvious anyway. Yes. Didn't identify him. <clears throat> but then the guilty party comes to the table and responds to Feliciano and says, ah, sheesh, I open up my app to this. Get well soon, bro. Because Feliciano got injured in the game. So then Feliciano replies to him. So we're just we're just piling on at this point. <laughs> it's got, it's, it's not just, going away. They now. can't help themselves. It's not going away. So now. Feliciano says, "I'm sorry, bro. I woke up hungover, and being blank in trying to have one's back, I hurt you. It's messed up, and I apologize. You got nothing but greatness ahead of you. I'm sorry, bro. I, look." Should Feliciano have engaged initially with the general public first? No, but he did not identify who the guilty party was. The guilty party identified himself by responding to Feliciano, saying he's all bent out of shape. Nobody knew who it was, right. except the coaching staff. You well, outed yourself. Yeah, but that's, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Let sleeping dogs lie. What are you guys doing? Couldn't believe it. Yeah, you don't you don't do that in public. Right? Not in a game that was watched by 123 million people. All of that's in public. Yeah, and that's they made a mountain out of a mole. Yes, they did. Um certainly if the the guy, yeah, the guy missed the block. Okay, I get it. And you're right. He missed the block and he should have blocked it. But you know, that's football, man. Execution. Gonna, yeah. I mean, that's football. You're going to do that. And they had 150 plays to make that game, you, you know, and that one was just happened to be one that it was in overtime instead of the first quarter or whatever, whatever. Um, you just – because the guy knows. Obviously, he knows it was his block because he, res- he knew who, who Feliciano was talking about. <laughs> He's talking about me. He's talking about, hey. Uh, so I am going to make it perfectly clear to everyone out there who the guilty party was. It was me. Yeah. yeah I, I don't get it. But in that. doing so, I mean, he included the entire public. So there you go. Yeah, uh, why didn't he reply privately? Yeah. Well, because that's, yeah. Probably could have texted him. Probably yeah. because he was hungover. Well, I suppose that's possible. I suppose I that's possible. Uh, it's, well, that's the thing. We we gobble this stuff up, you and I, and it's it, we're like laughing at it because you know it's the it's the humorous side of of social media where you get this stuff that, that spills out, and it's like, dude, what are you doing, right? And then you get this feeling like I, I really didn't need to hear any of this, right? That's the thing. We know too much. 
We know too much. But we know too much because you got loose lips out there, or thumbs in this case. They, you know, it's, you know, you just don't, guys just don't think that there's other people listening. Um, I don't know how you get to that point in this day and age. <laughs> I don't either. But it really yeah. is. I mean, that's really what it is. They just don't see the ramifications of other people listening. Spencer because Bur- Spencer Burford was more concerned with responding to Feliciano, where if he just said, well, hold up a second, he didn't name me, so I just leave this alone. Nobody's right. going to know it was me. Right. Well, plus, that's, you know, that you, I don't know what the dynamic is like in an offensive line room. I know what it's like to be a teammate of somebody. And you got to give it a little bit of a time before you come back and say, bro, why didn't you get your block? Well, yeah, there's like no, they don't, there's they're not no going Monday in, film session. Right, they're not going the in the Super next Bowl. day and watch the film like on the Super Bowl. It's locker clean out day, and they're all done, you know everybody's just scattered almost immediately. And so you you know you wait to have that conversation, or you like, bro, after what what was that tweet after the Super Bowl, man? What, you know, and and it could be that John Feliciano isn't even enough Forty Nine er next year. I mean, he right he free agent. He'd be his third team in three years, so. It was his third team in three years, so it's yeah. Bills, Giants, Niners. Yeah, I, yeah. It's it's the murky waters of relationships that we have to navigate in public, which is sometimes difficult. Right, and that's for people that aren't even involved. It's difficult to watch because I'm looking at that exchange, going, "What are you doing?" Ah, <laughs> uh, well, what are you going to do? Nobody will remember it in a week, so. Whatever. Uh, Topic of discussion today. What is your bold prediction for the Bills offseason plan? We all have something in our mind's eye as to what we would like to see the Bills do to, you know, fortify the roster, make it better than it was last year, maybe somehow find a way to make it healthier. What is your bold prediction for the Bills offseason plan? Something seismic that you think could happen here that maybe not a lot of people are expecting. You can let us know at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. The number to get on board. If you can't, give us a phone call. You can always hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Coming up in hour number two, we will have NFL writer from Fox Sports, Eric Williams, joining us. Uh, he's got some bold predictions of his own for NFL 2024 season so and some of them concern the former head coaches who don't even have jobs right now and will not be coaching on the sidelines in 2024 people like bill belichick mike vrabel what's on the docket for them next i think i'll I'll say this too what happens sometimes when these head coaches uh are really you know released like like when um you know when Rex Ryan got released when, you know, when all, all these head co- guys who have been head coaches who get fired, um, like Brandon Staley in, in L.A., uh, all these guys, like Frank Reich, um, like name any of them. And what happens is they have some experiences that are very difficult to come by. And what happens is another head coach, maybe a first-time head coach, or maybe a guy who was a head coach, like a Jim Harbaugh who's getting the job in L.A., He'll call a guy like a like a Frank Reich or a or one of these other guys, Greg Roman, Greg Roman, one of the other, and they'll call him and say, "Can you? We'll give you, you know, whatever, twenty grand to, to come in 
give us your expert, you know, and how, you know, what are the protocols you've done that really work well for your offenses when you are coordinator? What should we look for? How, you know, what's important to you? How did you set up your system and your staff offensively? What responsibilities did you delegate it? The whole thing. You pay him to come in, give him some of that insight, right? And you can see that guy, a guy like Vrabel, a guy like Bill Belichick, high demand. Tom Coughlin, who's been retired for a minute, they're big team teams bring him in. Say, what do you think about this? How did you do it? What is your thought? How's it? Where'd you see this going? There's a lot of that going yeah. around. A lot of that. So you let us know what you think. What is your bold prediction for the Bills? off-season plans, uh, I'm happy to report we're already getting responses here, Steve, online. Uh, one of them is is actually coming from the Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas. I think this is a joke, though. Oh. He said his bold prediction, the Bills win the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. That's got to be a joke. He's got a laughing face. Thurman, what are you doing? He's, he's always, he's always got to go for the humor. He's always looking for the yes, laugh. Yes, he is. You know? We haven't um, seen him for a minute. We'll have to get him back in for an off-season rendezvous. <laughs> see what he, see what he thinks. Backup quarterback. Who would it be though? Mitch Trubisky. Well, I believe Kyle Allen's still under contract. Right, that right. doesn't necessarily guarantee he will be here, but he is. He's under contract. Yeah, so. and I've thought I've thought that that's the way to go. There's enough guys out there with just a little bit of tread on the tire, and, and Joe Flacco kind of changed the way people are looking at guys like that who are out of the league or, you know, whatever. It's a short list. It's a short list. But still, having a guy come in, be a backup guy, emergency quarterback. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Oh, he might be a free agent. Hang on. I think he only signed a one-year deal. Yeah, he might be a free agent. Kyle? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Because I'm looking at my... I'm looking at my um, my yeah. files here, and I have it as a one-year deal. So I'll have to double-check the free agent list again yeah. and see. Because, yeah, I mean, we know Mitch Trubisky got released um, by the Steelers the other day to clear some cap space over there because he was due $7 million. And it looks like, at the very least, Mason Rudolph is going to be their backup quarterback. So, yeah, there's yeah. – there's a long list of free agent quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, no, it's Brandon Allen is. Kyle Allen is a free agent, yeah. yes. So He's there you go. Um, uh, would you like to know the, the free agent let, quarterbacks? Let her rip, Steve. Right, I'm ready. Here we go. This be Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, Mitch Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, Tyler Huntley, Joe Flacco, Josh Dobbs, Easton Stick. Nate Sudfeld, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Johnson, Carson Wentz, Brandon Allen, Kyle Allen, Trevor Simeon, A.J. McCarron, Matt Barkley, Mason Rudolph, Logan Woodside, Felipe Franks, Jake Browning, Nathan Rourke, and Garrett Gilbert. You know who played himself into a bigger free agent contract to be a backup? Baker. Browning. Oh, yeah. To be a backup. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. He He wasn't perfect. But he did some good things for Cincinnati. Kind of kept them in the hunt longer than I think anybody anticipated. They were nine and eight. Yeah, they were in the hunt. So they were the the they got last in their division. They were nine and eight. 
Um, and all four teams in that division had winning records. That It was a tough schedule over there in the NFC North, AFC North. Got open lines for you at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. You let us know what your bold off-season prediction is. And we go to Andrew in Houston to lead us off. What's up, Andrew? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I have two. One's very crazy, and uh, the other one's more of a funny take on the situation. My, my crazy one is, you know, all week we've been talking, or not all week, but the whole perfect dream scenario has come up a couple times. So, you know, live in this dream with me for a few minutes. I, I think there's one, one person in this draft that's even going to be better than Caleb Williams, and that is Martin Harrison. I think he's the next thing compared to Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson. Like, I think he's going to be it. And my crazy prediction that I don't think it's going to happen, but I would, I would love to see is that the Bills the draft like they did for him and somehow try to steal him away from Arizona. Uh, and, my, and my funny prediction would be is, Brownie, will you have to take a few days off to collect yourself if the Bills go and sign Ryan Tannehill as a backup for Josh Allen? I will need to collect myself, yes. <laughs> okay. But as a backup, I could stomach it. I could, okay, because <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, is he, is he, a, you know, a starting quarterback in this league anymore? Probably not. So, you know, as a backup, I, I could, I could understand that. But, but thanks for the call, Andrew. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, look, you got. He's thirty-five I mean, and a half years old. Right. He's he's a backup now. That's yeah. I don't get a problem with that. Uh, but you look at it, Cousins is going to be a free agent. He's going to make money again, you know, provided he's healthy. Right. There's, but know, the bold prediction that, you know, in, in Andrew's ideal world, the Bills get aggressive and jump into the top five to go get Marvin Harrison because that's where you need to go to get him. Um, no. No. I mean, I'd love it. Well, but I mean, here's that means the thing. you're probably giving up half your draft this year or half your draft next year, one or the other. Yeah, or players and players. I mean, you have to give up. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get that guy. There's nobody to make. There's nobody to make that trade. Be nice if you could. Yeah, I mean, you you could see. Hey, what about it? You know, Ah. it's it's a bold one. We asked for bold predictions. That's bold. It would take so much draft. It would take more than this entire draft class to get up to. You think so? Yes. Twenty eight to four. Yeah. It would you take a lot. The, you look at the value charts. Well, you do that while right, I take the next call. You let me know exactly right, what it would go. take to go from 28 to 4, which is kind of the estimated landing spot for Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's go to uh, Carl in Connecticut in the meantime. What's up, Carl? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Yeah, we got about 10 inches of snow here. Oh, I don't boy. Know, growing up in Buffalo, it's reverse. I don't think you guys got anything yesterday. Yeah, so. we got a few flakes, nothing measurable. All right. Well, I can handle it. I'm from Buffalo. So. Yeah, you can. But in any event, uh, it was a great year. I always like listening to you guys. And uh, on to next year. Um, so, yeah, I guess my two cents is um, we need to go and guns ablaze and pick up some good ride receivers. Let's see what Magic McBean. Uh, McBean. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, being pulled. Um, and, uh, yeah, we have to go. I think like a few years ago, the whole concept was not so much defense, so you want a good defense. we got to outscore the opponents. And 
going into next year with Kansas City, that's going to be a, a, a put up a priority number one. Yeah. Um, so I hope that works out. The question I have, in addition, a little after the fact, but there was a play. It was uh, fourth quarter, a minute thirty-two left in the Super Bowl. Kansas City had the ball. It was first down. Um, Mahomes runs three yards. The very and you would think it's like second and seven or eight. Well, seven. He ran three yards. The very next play, it was first and ten. Did I miss something? Because there were no flags. There was nothing. Um, and I've seen this on the internet too. It's just a question because I was trying to find where I could watch the whole game again. They don't even show that play. I'll have to. I'll have to check for you, Carl. Because I'm. I mean, yeah. I know that you gave us the time of the game, so I can look. I don't remember that offhand. Um, yeah. But yeah, we can certainly check for you. Um, he wants. He thinks young receiver is priority number one, and I am the engineer of that train. Um, so I am with you on that, Carl. Uh, I will dive into the official game book for the Super Bowl to see if it shows up there anywhere, uh, and I'll scroll through that and see if I find something. Yeah. The uh, trade chart. I did the trade chart value. Oh, yeah. Give us the if results. You now, if you're going to get, say, Chicago and Washington stay where they are, you can trade with New England to get the number three spot for Marvin Harrison Jr. Hmm. That's what I did. I took him to get the number three. And you got to do what? Trade up to the number three spot. How much? What do you have to give up? You have to give up all of this year's draft. The whole thing? Plus at least a two next year. Probably a two and a three next year. Yeah, because they're picking so low in the round. The value of those picks are pretty poor. Well, actually, it would be... It would be more than your number one next year, to, given where you're dra- probably going to be drafting. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, scratch that idea. Yeah, it would take— uh, it would Bold, take, it would take, but scratch it. It would take two ones and— It would be like of, the Ricky Williams trade all over yeah, again. Yeah, take two ones and nine draft picks. That was classic, wasn't it? Yeah. There's Ditka in the New Orleans draft room. He's like, I'm headed to the golf course. There are no picks left. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done for the next two days. He got Ricky Williams and called it a day. <laughs> Uh, looking quickly at the game book here before uh, we jump to break, and we will continue to take your phone calls after the break, but uh, one thirty-two left. It's a first and 10 for Kansas City at their own 37, and Mahomes completes a 12-yard pass to Noah Gray. So it's first down at the Kansas City 49 on the next play. Now, on a second and one with 137 left in the fourth quarter, Mahomes scrambled for a three-yard gain. But obviously with a three-yard gain on second and one, it's first and ten. So there doesn't seem to be anything nefarious in the play-by-play sheet. Obviously, if you go back to watch the game, you can check uh, if you have an NFL yeah. Plus account. But it, you might have you might have been popping a beer and missed a play. Yeah, that's my guess. So, But apparently it's out there in cyberspace as well. So you weren't the only one to miss the play. So we'll, we'll see if we can find video of it to make sure it's all on the up and up, but my hunch is it is. Uh, Got to go to break here, but when we come back, as we said, more of your phone calls. James in Rochester, Kevin in Hamburg, we'll get to you when we return as we're looking for your one bold prediction for the Bills' offseason plan here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, midweek. Happy Valentine's Day. And uh, we go back to the phones where we are asking you for your one 
bold off-season prediction for the Bills' off-season plan. How are they going to fit this roster together, make it better than it was in 23? Give us your one bold prediction. Somebody suggested trading all the way up to number four to get Marvin Harrison in the draft. Steve quickly pointed out that would require sacrificing your other nine picks uh, to do so. Plus ten picks. Plus another first-round pick, yeah. Uh, But it's fine. We want bold. Doesn't need to make sense. We're just having fun here. (laughs) Doesn't need to be possible. Yeah. It could be a complete figment of your imagination. We're ready to ride that roller coaster with you at 803-0550. But let's go to James in Rochester. What do you got for us, James? James, are you with us? James. I'm going to put James on hold, and hopefully we can get back. (laughs) Let's go to Kevin in Hamburg next. What's up, Kevin? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I don't know if I'd call it a bold prediction, but I will say, and I want to see if you agree with this, uh, um, Tyrod was pretty good in that giant game, and he almost beat us in our own stadium with a giant, uh, giant uniform. As long as Josh didn't get hurt too bad, if he got, like, say, got his bell rung for a week and a half, I think Tyrod would be a great backup. All right. I, I don't yeah, hate I think he'd be good. Yeah, he'd I don't, I don't hate that. He's a great dude. I like him. Uh, he and he played well for this franchise and has done it before. Played well. You're right. He did play well for the Giants. Um, Knows his role. He, yeah, and he would know what he was doing. He wouldn't. Yeah, um, I don't have a problem with that. I don't. The the interesting thing about that suggestion, Steve, is from everything I'm hearing out of New York. Got a couple of people I know down there. Tyrod's not exactly super interested in going back to the Giants because of the whole Tommy DeVito phenomenon that happened. And I think he's concerned that trying to be on that roster might be a little more difficult than being an established veteran back up on another roster where they actually need, you know, right. a, a bonafide number two. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrod decides to test the market and sign as a backup somewhere else right. um, rather than going back there where they have Tommy DeVito on a cheap rookie contract. <laughs> I forgot about that dude for the giant. What's his name? Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Wow. That man, that that it was a 15-minute phenomenon. The season is a, like an epic journey that you forget <laughs> all the it's like a, you it's forgot like a, chapter 12. It's like Indiana Jones movie. You forget all this stuff that happened to him along the way. It's unbelievable. This Tommy DeVito. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that joker. Yeah. They had him featured prominently in uh the NFL Honors Show, which I know you did not see. I did not. Um, yeah, they had Keegan-Michael Key sitting next to him coming back from a commercial break, and Tommy DeVito had to pretend he was the Tommy DeVito from the Goodfellas movie, which is the Joe Pesci character. And right. You think I'm a clown, you think I'm here to amuse you, and that whole scene, right, right, they were right, trying right. to make him play that out. He did okay. Right. He did okay. Uh, let's try on the second go-round for James in Rochester. What do you got for us, James? Okay, two times, and that's it. Gave you a chance. Gave you another one. Had Call chance. back, James, if you have a chance to actually speak to us. Had your chance. Muffed it. Uh, <laughs> we, okay. we move along to Tim in North Tonawanda. What's up, Tim? Yeah, I'd like to see him get a wide receiver experienced one in free agency. Okay. Not exactly sure who, but uh, I'd also like to see him get Brian Thomas his first round. If by some miracle they get a chance get Josh Allen as a linebacker. 
Oh, yeah, in free from, agency. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's going to yeah. cost a lot of money. That guy. Yeah, I, right. That that part of your equation, I'm not sure, is going to play out. Right. <laughs> Although it is bold. Brian Thomas is is a slight pos. It is a bold prediction. I would say it does fall into that category. The Josh Allen thing. Yeah, you're going to have to you're going to have to work some magic. To get How him. wild would that be to have both Josh Allens on the roster? Be pretty good. Now, what do you pretty do there good. with what, what do you do? You know, if you're Jeff Missouri, you're the equipment guy. There's no sense in spelling well, out anybody's first name because it's the same name. Like, ha- I mean, obviously, most people would be able to tell the difference a, between 17 and sure, but one would have a, one would have a a Jay Allen and the other one would have a an Allen jersey. Okay, I think that's is that necessary? Good. I mean, if they're both Jay Allen, bro, the name doesn't on the that back, muddy the water? Bro, the, the name on the back of the jersey is irrelevant. What do you mean? If it you know, I'm just curious necessary. how they'd have to work that. Maybe mm-hmm. they're just both Allen and leave it at that. And Maybe. if you can't tell the difference, that's your problem. But they don't want they don't want any problems for the for the viewers, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm curious how that would they might play out. They they may put a Josh on one of them and put an, just an Allen on the other. No, nah, they wouldn't do that because they got the guy's named Josh. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm curious how how do you adjudicate that. <laughs> If you're an equipment, that is Maybe the ultimate they, here's test. Here's what they do. Here's what they do. They put. Do you think Allen, equipment managers get asked put, that in interviews, like when they're applying for a job? I've never heard an interview. How would you handle this situation with a name? They would know the rules because there are rules. Yeah. Uh, I would say they would. How about this? How about this? Oh, I, I can't okay, wait here, to hear. Here we, here we go. Listen, listen. Okay, okay, okay. Allen, and then beside one, then the other end of Allen, put QB. QB one. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think everybody knows. Yeah. And then, you know. You're going to put their position on there to distinguish them. Well, the, the numbers kind of do that. The jersey number kind of right. does that. But still. So you don't need a J or an A. Yeah. Okay. But they do that They do that when you had two guys named Williams. You had like three, five Williams on this roster at one point. Right. Right? I'm trying to remember if anybody had the same first initial, though. K. Williams. Mario Williams. Mm-hmm. M. Williams. Aaron Williams. I'm trying to think of all the Williams that were on the roster yeah. at that time. Aaron Williams, Mario Williams, Kyle Williams. There must have been another one. Was Antonio Williams here then? Might Can't have remember. Been. But the running back? they put their first initial on, and, and, and then you get one. Then you, I have seen them on other jerseys where they do have, and they're actually smaller letters where they have the guy's first name spelled out. If it's a, So okay. maybe they would do that. Yeah. That would, all right, would... How fast would that jersey sell? Yeah, it would move. Right? It would move. Some people would buy both of them. Well, yeah. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Uh, Let's uh, get back to the phones and go to Dave in Rochester. What's up, Dave? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, so I got a question I've been wondering about. Uh, I'm not too sure keen on the punt position this year what's the status of bringing matt ariza back on is he still part of the equation uh could be I'll, I'll and hang up yeah uh, that's a possibility and i'm sure he's going to be in an nfl training camp maybe he he may be making the rounds around the offseason this year but yeah, yeah um i would say that the bills i i can't i don't know if, how they feel about it. they might bring him back um the only thing that was uh yeah i mean why wouldn't they? Um, now, um, they liked him when they drafted him. Right, Sam Martin. 
you know, is still under contract. Oh, no. I don't know if he is. No, I don't think. Let me double check. Hold on. Let me go back to my list because we have 22 unrestricted free agents, so it's hard for me to remember them all. Um, but I'll pull it up real quick. I don't. I think he's. I want to say he's got one year left, but maybe he doesn't. Let me double check. Hold on. I've got a list here of all no. the punters. He's under contract. He's under contract. He's not on that um, list. That doesn't mean they wouldn't bring in competition. So what you have is, I, I think they like Jake Ariza or Matt Ariza enough to draft him. And as far as we know, all of his legal well, yeah. issues are behind him now, both criminal and civil. Yeah. So he's, he's free and clear he's of all exo- of that. He's been exonerated. So, so you want to bring in some competition. Uh, I don't think they would blink at that. We were talking last week, Steve, about how they might bring in a kicker for competition for Tyler Bass to push him a little bit right. after an uneven season. Yeah, um, I think they'll do both. Uh, I think both those. I think they'll have a full raft of competition at both those spots this year coming into the regular season. Um, just because I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, nudge him a little bit. And yeah, I would. I yeah. I I don't know. I, I I we can ask our listeners. You know how you'd feel about it. I, I don't think too many people would have a big problem with it, considering how yeah. it turned out out there. So. Um, and but I do I will say again I do think he's going to be in somebody's NFL training camp this yeah. year. And I am a complete dope with the nameplates because we are we actually had that already here. We had two quarterbacks with the same last name, and they just went Allen and Allen on the back of the jerseys. No first initial. Yeah. I wonder if that's a choice the players can make. No, I, I don't, think don't it, give me the first initial. I'm just good with Allen. I think there was something. I think Josh was asked about it, and I can't remember how it turned yeah. out. But yeah. I just didn't know if it was different if they have the exact same first and last name, but they're not even playing on the same side of the ball. So I would guess it would be Allen and Allen also. Went down that rabbit hole that we didn't need to go down. I apologize. Um, I was just curious more than anything else. Got to take a break here. Uh, Dennis in North Carolina. Tim and Clarence, hang tight. We'll get to you when we return more of your phone calls. What is your bold prediction for the Bills offseason plan? You let us know at 803-0550 here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Right, back here on One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Right back to the phones. We're asking you for your one bold prediction for the Bills' off-season plan. To Dennis in North Carolina next. What's up, Dennis? Hey, how y'all doing today? Good. Hey, uh, I wish more. Like, what, what do you think about Buffalo trading up? I know it's crazy, but go and get Marvin Harrison Jr. Then in free agency, go get. Uh, Hollywood Brown from Arizona, and at the draft, go get uh, Tennessee's running back. What, what do y'all think about that? Derrick Henry, Marvin Harrison Jr., and who's the third guy in between there? Hollywood Brown from Hollywood Arizona, Brown. who's a free agent. Yeah, I as Steve kind of pointed out here, Dennis, you pretty much have to give up your whole draft to get up into the top five from 28. Um so you could probably sign be, Derrick Henry if you really wanted him to a deal. Yeah, but I think he's kind of on the downside yeah. now. Um, and you got James uh, Cook. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was uh, meaning the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers running back. Oh, Jay college. Wright. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm well, sorry about that. Yeah, the problem with that, Dennis, is you'd have to give away your entire draft this year to get up from 28 to three or four to get Marvin Harrison. So you wouldn't have any draft right. capital left to take the Tennessee running back. That's that's the problem. Um, 
And I don't think the Bills want another small guy, which is what Hollywood Brown is. He's a field stretcher. He's a burner. But he's also 5'8". They got enough of those guys. They, they need some size on the outside. So I'd be inclined to think they'd lean that way. Yeah, there, there's just – Marvin Harrison's going to go in the top five of the draft, probably in the top three of the draft at least, depending on who's well, up there. Well, depending on how many quarterbacks Depon- come off yeah. early. He's going to be the first non-quarterback off the board. And if that, ha- that means you've got to go up to at least number three to get there. And I'd, like I said, the, if you take the NFL draft value chart and you assign the first couple of picks – to these players, it's the value chart I'm looking at had, had the number three pick at 2200 Value. The value. You go down to 20. Buffalo's 28th pick is only worth 600 or 660 Yeah, that's a problem. Then you go over to the 60th pick, and it's worth 300 And the 99th pick is worth uh, nine, a 104 You're not even halfway there you know, uh, to yeah, the value uh, of pick three. <laughs> right. So uh, it's, you know. And it's the, a t- the other it's one is tall yeah, task. Yeah, it's 43. Yeah, I mean, you're not getting there. You're not getting there. Not even with all the drafts you have left in, the, in this class. Not with 10 picks, you're not going to get up there. You're not getting up there. Um, so at least if the other team doesn't fall asleep at the wheel, mm-hmm. which they're not going to. Right. Let's go to Tim and Clarence next. What do you got for us, Tim? Yeah, hi, thanks, guys, for taking my call. Long time fan. This is just a couple of things. You know, I hear Josh, you know, he's, he always edifies uh, Stefan Diggs. He's always saying he's brother, best friend. I never hear Diggs um, say anything good about Josh or, or the team or Brandon Bean or his coach, and it just bugs me. I mean, they've been so good about drafting guys with attitude, okay, teamwork. And, and Diggs, I, I don't know. I've heard you talk, Steve, and stuff. He's got a bad attitude, you know. And I, I wish they – I know they can't. I listen to Chris, what you said, Capital. I don't think he's good for the team. I look at the shenanigans he pulled last year, and he got off the wrong foot. And I, I don't think he's good for the team. I think they – if they could, I think they ought to get rid of him. He's not that good anymore. He, let's face it, he catches that ball, okay, and the other guy catches it. We might have won that game. So he's, he's all talk. And I, and I also think the kicker, I think because uh, I like him, but it's one thing liking it. I also think Tyler Bass, I think he's going to be a head case next year, just like it happened before. So I, I think they definitely, I know they're bringing somebody in. But anyways, uh, just obviously we need better receivers, but I just kind of get this off my chest. But thank you, guys. Appreciate you it. Yeah, you got um, it yeah, you can, and I get it. I mean, here's the thing. I, 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 I kind of disagree with you. Um, I mean, I like Steph, and I think the the – Stuff going around about him. I think the guys in the locker room. The acid test is always for me. That is this for me. You always hear about guys who this guy, you know, this guy, that guy, that other guy. That guy's a bad guy. This guy's a bad guy. This guy's a head case. This guy's a, a cancer. This guy's blah blah blah. You hear it about guys every so often in the NFL. Not as much as you used to, but you still do. You hear it about guys. Uh, my acid test is when you hear the guys that live and work with him every day go to bat for him. They don't. I mean, they don't couch their words or whatever because you can't hide who you are in an NFL locker room. Those guys know you. They know you. They know who you are. They know the kind of guy you are. They party with you. They celebrate with you. They commiserate with you. They hurt with you. You live with them in like you're in like you're in a one room apartment for like four months with these guys in a locker room. It's you get to know them intimately. You hear them in their off moments. You hear them when they're mad. When they're happy. When they're, you know, when they've been 
done an injustice and when they can when they serve injustice onto other people. You've seen all of it. So you can't hide who you are from your teammates in an NFL locker room. So when you hear guys go to bat for other guys, even if you don't think it's disingenuous, if you think it's disingenuous, if they don't really come out and really sell out and say, I love the guy, if, if they just couch their words, you can kind of tell. I don't see any of that with, with Steph. I think the players like him. I think the coaches like him. I don't think there's ever been a problem with him. Um, I think there's a lot of people looking for things to do. I mean, we've, we've seen like six examples on the Chiefs' sideline over the Super Bowl weekend that were worse than anything Steph has done, and nothing gets said about it. Um, so I, I get what you're saying. Certainly, um, everybody sees things their own way, but that's how I see it. That, and, that's how and, I see it. And I'll disagree with you. The guy can still play. I mean, he just yeah. had his fourth oh, yeah. consecutive 100-catch season, despite a second-half tail-off in production. He is the first Buffalo Bill to do that. Four straight seasons of 100 receptions. And it also, and he also switched offensive coordinators in the middle of the season. That, too. And he got limited help from yeah. his receiving buddies. Got a break here. When we come back, hour number two, uh, we'll begin with some discussion about some bold predictions as we catch up with Eric Williams from Fox Sports as he put together bold predictions for the entire NFL offseason. We'll get to that with him when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Wednesday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and happy to have along with us at this time, NFL writer for FoxSports.com. One Eric Williams kind of specializes on the NFC West side of things, so he was busy right up until the end here with the San Francisco 49ers, who, as we know, fell to the Chiefs in overtime in Super Bowl 58. Have you had a chance to take a breath yet, Eric? Not really. I've just been working, uh, you know, up until this point, and obviously doing some uh, some looking at next season in terms of the 49ers and other teams in the NFC West and getting ready for the combine and, and, and free agency. The NFL, as you guys know, never stops. And so, uh, you know, it was a good Super Bowl, you know, started off slow, but I think kind of what we expected, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, did Patrick Mahomes things there at the end and and that really was the difference. Yeah, and it, was, it, it you're exactly right. It was a slow-starting game, but it turned out to be the close overtime kind of game that we thought it might be. Give us an idea now as as the dust settles out in San Francisco. You know, they, Kyle Shanahan's looking around. They, they're looking around. What, where do the 49ers sit now after a Super Bowl mm-hmm. appearance moving forward towards the draft? Who are they losing? Who's coming back? What, what's after the dust settled? Can they make another mm-hmm. run? Yeah, I think they're going to try to run it back. Um, most of their foundational guys are under contract for 2024. The one player that they're concerned with is Brandon Ayuk. He's, he's on his fifth year 
uh, of his of his rookie deal. Um, you know, they would like to sign him to a new contract, but based on everybody else that they have signed, uh, it's going to be tough for them to fit him under the cap unless they restructure and kind of, you know, keep kicking the can down the road like the Rams did a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think Ayuk is, is kind of the, the one piece that you need to look for. Do they potentially trade him in order to get help? I think they need help up front in terms of offensive line to better protect Brock Purdy. And then they probably need another corner and then maybe some help on the defensive side of the football. Uh, obviously, having Brock Purdy on that rookie contract and they can't negotiate with him until 2025, that helps them a little bit. Uh, but the, but they are they are uh, tight under the cap going into this year. So uh, draft is going to be important as well in terms of finding role players uh, uh, to continue to place replace older guys. The NFC West is a division the Bills will be playing next season in 2024. Uh, I realize that of the lot, San Francisco has the most free agents, 19 unrestricted. Seattle, the Rams, and Arizona with fewer than that. Uh, and I think Arizona's got the most cap space, a little over $40 million, so they could spend yep. a little if they want to in year two out there with Gannon as head coach. Um, what kind of... I don't know, turnover in terms of the pecking order and the power of that division could shift and change. Can anyone close the gap on San Fran in one offseason here, do you think? I think the Rams are right there. Um, when you watch those two teams play, uh, the Rams went toe-for-toe against the Niners the first time they played. The second time, the game didn't matter, so they played mostly backups. Mm-hmm. I think with the Rams, it's going to depend on Matthew Stafford and Hell. You know, can they continue to to protect him and keep him upright and can can Stafford stay healthy for another full season like he did in 2023. Puka Nakua was a revelation in terms of, you know, getting a guy day three to come and get you that kind of production. Uh, they found a pretty good running back uh, that can create balance in their offense. And they found some key pieces on defense uh, along with Aaron Donald uh, and, and played better than maybe people expected nationally on the defensive side of the ball. They will have a new defense coordinator, Mike Shula, uh, who's, who's taken over for Raheem Morris, who was hired as head coach of Falcons. But I feel like uh, the Rams are kind of poised to be able to compete uh, with the Niners. And then I expect another team to take a, a jump is, you mentioned it, Gannon with the Cardinals. Uh, they're going to have Kyler Murray for a full season now. Uh, he'll have a full offseason to work and get better in that offense. They have a lot of money to spend. They have draft picks. They did a pretty good job in the draft last year. Uh, finished with four wins. I expect them to to make another jump, maybe get to seven, eight wins uh, next year. But really, I, I think the Rams are the kind of the team to look for in terms of teams that could compete in terms of the way their roster is built right now with the Niners. Now, you, you mentioned Arizona real quick. Was Kyler Murray the reason for the four-win season, his absence? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, they went with Dobbs, and Dobbs kind of gave them a chance to compete. Uh, but once Kyler uh, came back, I think they went three and five in games that Kyler started. Uh, were more competitive in those games. Beat Philadelphia on the road. Uh, you know, Philadelphia obviously struggled second half of the year, uh, but you know, good win for them. Um, so if Kyler can stay healthy, I think they did a good job in terms of their offense coordinator Drew Petzing building an offense that kind of fits Kyler's. A skill set, um, and and I, you don't expect him to to get better in that offense. They really need a number one receiver, though. So if they can come and get Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft, who you know some think is the nar- the next Larry Fitzgerald, I think it would uh, create more explosive plays offensively for them. 
I know just earlier today you kind of put up your top 50 rankings for NFL free agents. And Mm -hmm. um, the question I want to ask you is this. You've got last year we saw a safety market in free agency that was grossly depressed because of the supply Mm -hmm. and it completely outweighed demand. And it's a deep group of veteran safeties again this year. Do you see Mm -hmm. any other position group that you think could fall victim to that same kind of too much supply, not enough demand, and none of the players, maybe outside of a couple of top of the food chain eaters, are Mm -hmm. not going to get what they're expecting to get? Well, we talked about it all offseason last year. I think it's going to be running back again. Uh, There's just too many talented runners that you can get in the draft on those rookie deals to come in uh, and be productive for you, And, and we saw it. Uh, this year, uh, you know, with Gibbs and, and Bijan and what they're able to do. And I think teams are going to continue to lean in that direction um, and, and, and bring in those, those young runners or sign veteran guys for cheap on the free agency market. So I expect the running back market to, to still be depressed. Um, and, and, you know, I think anytime you can find guys that can rush the passer, I think you're going to pay those guys, whether they're defensive tackles or defensive end. And I expect those guys to continue to get paid along with receivers because the game is, 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 you know, continuing to turn to a passing game. What do you suspect the 49ers plan is in this draft then? Do you think they're going to, is it just as easy as trying to replace a guy like Ayuk in his last year or what? Mm-hmm. But, you know, potentially they could look at receiver. Um, I think a more obvious need for them is cornerback, you know, Opposite Chavarius Ward, they really had struggles in, in stopping uh, the team's best, you know, number one receiver. And, and that was a place where teams would try to create mismatches either on the perimeter or at nickel. Uh, so I think they need another uh, elite defender on the edge. They did have Hufunga, who suffered an ACL injury. So that that stressed them a little bit at the safety position. Um, you can always, again, use use edge rushers. They could use somebody opposite Bosa. You know, they, they brought in Chase Young, but I don't think they're going to resign him. Um, but I think right now, if I'm, if I'm the 49ers, I think they picked uh, 31. I think you're looking at corner. And the coaching carousel, you know, is finally stopped here. You had eight open jobs. They're all filled now. Um, mm-hmm. How surprised were you that neither Bill Belichick nor Mike Vrabel found a head coaching mm-hmm. role? And what do you think? might be a landing spot for them here in the interim without a head coaching job to fill. Yeah. Well, very surprised. I mean, you're, you're talking about one of the greatest coaches in history in Belichick and, and he's out there available on the open market and, and people pass on him and Vrabel had a lot of success with the Titans. Uh, and again, uh, you know, didn't find a landing spot. And I think, you know, part of that too is I imagine both of those guys were being selective and looking at the right situation that they wanted to move on to. And so I think, you know, part of that is, is them not being comfortable with the jobs that were available to, available to them and not being the right fit. Uh, you know, I mentioned my bull predictions that I think a good landing spot, you know, for Bill would be the Giants because he coached there before and had success and ownership knows him. He's an East Coast guy, I think. Um but, you know, you know, we'll see what happens with Dable, you know, who took a step back in his second year. Good coach. Um, you see if he can get things turned around. Uh, but I think that spot, if it opens up, would make sense. And then for Vrabel, I think the Eagles job would make sense because I feel, I feel like they're built to win now and could use some stability and toughness. And I think he brings that.
What happens with Seattle? We just saw today they started – they waited a long time, and now they've started to fill out their coaching roster. I mean, um, we didn't know who their coordinators were going to be until – you know what I mean? So they finally yeah. we started getting a list of names of who they're actually hiring. How do you think things are going to mm-hmm. shake out in Seattle in this first year? That's a great question. I mean, I covered the Seahawks for six seasons, you know, uh, the last year of Mora and the first uh, five years of Pete. So very familiar with that franchise. I think the main takeaway for Seattle right now is John Schneider is in charge and making all those decisions. And he's building that team in his mold and how he views, you know, a team should be built based on his experience, you know, with the Packers and with the Chiefs and with the Commanders. You know, years before, it was Pete Carroll's team. He had the 51% in terms of, you know, final roster decisions and how the coaching staff would look. And so you're seeing Snyder going younger. You know, you bring in McDonald, 36 years old, you know, half the age of Carroll. Uh, You bring in an unknown commodity in your offensive coordinator and Grubb, who hasn't coached in the NFL, uh, but did a great job with the Huskies and I thought was very innovative when you watch the Huskies play. Um, and so that just, you know, it, it's an unknown in terms of how those guys are going to work on offense and defense. But I think, you know, Snyder is kind of building that team in terms of what they want to do for the next three to five years and more sustainable success where when you had a guy like Pete Carroll, it was more about year to year trying to win, you know, for that upcoming season. Uh, over in the other conference out your way, you know, you got Harbaugh now with the Chargers and I think, well, you probably remember this, obviously, but we do too. You know, Harbaugh with the Niners, everybody else is throwing the ball all over the yard. He just puts the biggest offensive line together he can find and starts <laughs> running the tar out of the ball. And he yep. has Kaepernick at quarterback. He's running all over the place as well. Now he's got Justin mm-hmm. Herbert. And I mean, I don't know if you saw him at his press conference, but it was like outright puppy love. I mean, he couldn't say enough things about Justin Herbert. I mean, you would have yeah. thought he got the prodigal son to play quarterback for him. Uh, do you think his approach changes it all because of the quarterback he has now because you could argue he's never had a quarterback like this before uh yeah i was at that press conference and, and you're right uh he he was lavishing the the praise and gushing over justin herbert and rightly so uh i think the biggest tell there is greg roman is his offense coordinator so that tells you that they're going to run the football <laughs> and, and try to be balanced and and they should because i think there's been too much pressure uh, on Justin to really kind of lead that offense. And, and now you, you want to create more balance and, and, and he can throw it when you need to throw it. Um, Justin has all the tools to be successful. They have talent. Uh, it's older talent. Uh, but I think the one thing that the Chargers have needed, and again, I covered that team for six years, is an identity. And I think Harbaugh gives them that. You know they're going to be tough. You, you know they're going to run the football. You know they're going to be well-coached. And they're they're not going to beat themselves, and so you know I'm, I'm excited to to see what they can do. You know, in my bold predictions, I predicted that in the first his first year they'll go to the AFC title game. Um, you know, which is you know they haven't won the the uh, AFC West since 2009, um, and obviously they haven't won a playoff game since Herbert has been there. Uh, but I just feel like he's a person that can change things around quickly. He's had success wherever he's went. Um, and they're going to have a direction and culture uh, that is consistent. And I think 
that's the main thing that, you know, that's my main takeaway from Harbaugh uh, being hired there. Yeah, one of your other bold posi- predictions you made was about the playing surfaces of NFL Stadium. And certainly, there's, there was a lot said about MetLife Stadium is where Aaron Rodgers on opening night blew his Achilles and other guys have been injured mm-hmm. in there as well. A couple of games in London were not um, – did not go well. A couple of guys got, went down. Even one of the Buffalo Bills, Matt Milano, went down in London. Um, you thought that there might be a move towards grass fields only in the NFL where possible anyway. Do, explain, Flesh that out for us a little bit. Yeah, uh, right now I believe there's 13 playing surfaces that are grass in NFL stadiums. Uh, anytime you talk to players, they would rather practice and play on grass than, than turf just because it's easier on your joints. It's, it's, it's easier for recovery. Uh, you know, you look at the preventative statistics, I think they lean towards grass being favorable over turf. And then, you know, you talk about the world cup coming up in a couple of years and, and they're going to, you know, make those fields grass for those premium players. Why not do it for your own players for the longevity of their career and, 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 you know, to keep guys as healthy as possible. I think it just makes too much practical sense not to do it if you're the NFL. I understand there's 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 financial considerations in terms of doing that, particularly when you look at stadiums like SoFi that host a lot of different events. Um, but, you know, the, the players are, are pushing for it and, and there's been a groundswell of support. Um, and most the majority of players are behind it. Sometimes you talk to skilled players and they would like to play on turf because it's a faster service uh, surface, which makes sense. But, you know, Steve, you, you played in the game and, and you can understand, you know, as a player, you know, playing on our artificial turf is harder on your body. Especially the old yeah. turf that guy played on. It was a carpet with concrete. Yeah, under I played it. the Astrodome and it was, <laughs> yeah, you may as well it, get, yeah, get the spray, out over, spray paint out the, over the asphalt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But Coach McDermott is a big proponent of practicing on grass. He has him out here on the grass field as late into the season as he can. And their new stadium mm-hmm. going up in 26 will have a grass field with a heated coiling system underneath it to keep the ground from freezing. So that'll be one more grass field to add to the ledger uh, in a couple of years' time. Eric, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you later in the offseason. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate thanks, it. Eric. All right, that's Eric Williams, NFL writer for Fox Sports. Focuses on the NFC West, which is a division, as we mentioned earlier, the Bills will be playing against in 2024. Uh, they have to go out to Seattle and they have to go out to L.A. to play the Rams, the Niners and the Cardinals will be here. Because if you remember back in the COVID season, the Bills had to go out to Arizona twice because they couldn't play San Francisco in San Francisco because of COVID restrictions out there. So they played the Cardinals in Arizona, and they played the Niners in Arizona. It was consecutive weeks too, wasn't it? It was very – I can't remember if it was back-to-back, but it was close. might have been two out of three weeks or something like that. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, but that's what you had to do. We were jumping through all kinds Dude, of hoops yeah, back was... then. And here we are four years later, and you're playing in the NFC West again. It seemed like it happened in the blink of an eye. Yeah, that was uh, that was quite the year. And I, I remember, too, in the COVID year, we thought it was going to be the road trip. Oh, the venues of, were awesome. It's Las be Vegas. San Francisco, Las Vegas. I think Denver. Tennessee was in there. We are in Denver, Nashville, Vegas, L.A. Oh, my gosh. It was a goodie. Let's go. All for naught. All for, all for empty <laughs> stadiums. Oh, well. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, but let's get back to the phones at 803-0550, as we're asking you for your one bold prediction for the Bills' offseason plans. And we go to Dave in Angola next. What do you got for us, Dave? Uh, can you hear me? We yes. can. Okay. Um, 
I don't know. I think we need to get some receivers, I guess. That didn't sound very convincing, Dave. Why, why do you? I, I, I tend to agree with you, but I'd like to know why you feel that way. Why You seem like you're on the fence, Dave. Well, I am, but it's like Josh has to have someone to throw to. That is true. He does need someone to throw to. I would agree unequivocally, Dave. Uh, and I thank you for your uh, point brilliant of view analysis there, there Dave. You're what right. I want you, Dave, to do is to have the courage of your convictions. I feel I feel like I got to give you a pep talk, Dave. You want to come on Dave here felt and obliga- make a statement, make a statement and do it convincingly, Dave. I Dave, felt like you needed a cheerleading squad Dave behind you to convince felt you. Obligated to call, even though. We need Not, a receiver, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess we need a receiver. <laughs> we do. I guess. Yes, you are right. All right, I got. I guess I got to call in. Be more demonstrative, Dave, <laughs> that is the awesome, next time Dave. you call. Dave, you call in any time, bro, any time. Just be, just be more authoritative. Just Courage of your convictions. Because you're right. They are going to need help there because I think when all the dust settles, I, I don't think Trent Shurfield is back I, here. I don't think they're going to be able to afford Gabe Davis. Uh, on the free agent market and what he's going to Yeah, the over-under for me in the draft, if they have all 10 picks, the over-under is two and a half wide receivers in yeah. this draft. If they get one at number one, then I can live with just two guys. If they get one, if they wait till the the uh, 60th pick, I think it is, yeah. you're, they're gonna, they're gonna, they need to get three. They need to get three of them. Um, yeah, you got to take mid, the shotgun In the mid-rounds, yeah, you're going to get Volume. Gotta, yeah. They get, if they get two of the three from – the 28th to the 99th pick, we got three picks. 28th, 60th, and 99th. If you're taking a defensive tackle at 28, 60 and 99 both have to be wideouts to me. You have come around to my way of thinking. I love well, this. I just, I'm just not going to beat people over the head with it. That's okay. all. Well, well like I do, do until me. they agree. That's right. <laughs> so here I am agreeing so I can stop getting beat up by <laughs> Let's go to Mike in East Aurora next. What's up, Mike? Hey, boys. How you doing? Good, good. All right, well, I'm a little bit more convicted here. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, Vaughn Miller next year is going to have double-digit sacks, and I also predict that he'll probably be the comeback player of the year because Ooh. that's kind of a joke. That's kind of a joke of a of an award. Well, it was this uh, year. Number, yeah, I know it was terrible. And number two, I personally believe Gabe Davis is not going to get the kind of money everybody thinks he's going to get. Okay. His problem his problem is he cannot catch the ball consistently. And if you're going to get a 7 million 6 million dollar 7 million dollar a year contract as a as a wide receiver, you got to be able to catch the ball about 90% of the time. And he's not even close. And yeah. I think we're going to re- I think we'll resign him. Okay. I mean, oh, that's yeah. I, I that's what I was going to ask. That's kind of that's what leaves the door open. He doesn't think he's going to leave. He doesn't. You don't think he's going to leave because the, the money in free agency won't be there for him. And I, you're right. His catch percentage, it's low. It's low. It's it's too low. And but you know the ninety percent thing. You're just saying because if you have a ninety percent, you're leading the NFL. Uh, most of these guys, the quarterbacks are throwing it to these guys trying to you know, and they're making bad throws, and the you know, so it goes against the guy's catch. Uh, catch ratio, but I, that's I, I'm I'm all about that, and, and I'm I'm kind of on the Von Miller train with you. 
I hadn't thought about it. Steve through. has been bullish on Vaughn for next year. I am very bullish on Vaughn, I, and I agree with you. I think he will have double-digit sacks next year. Uh, comeback player of the year, maybe, because people like Vaughn. And Can the, he be that? Because he was on the field last year. I, I wonder what the qualifications are. Uh, probably none, Dude, based on what we Joe saw Joe Flacco year. won. Played six, <laughs> I know, but Joe Flacco won coming yeah. off the couch. Yeah, at the was, same. He played I in know. five games. You're right. Stop. I, I, yes. I pull back my previous comment. Yeah, th- yes. Any Jamoke can win it. We had a guy come back from death and did not win it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Joe, uh, yes. It is yes. an interesting. Devon will, will be a finalist for that award if he comes out and has double digits. It is, it is an interesting point that Mike brings up. He contends that Gabe Davis will not get the money he thinks he's going to get on the free agent market because of his catch rate, which is low. I think it was around 56, 57%. That 56, is just, yeah. It's not good enough. Even for a deep ball receiver where the percentages are going to come down, it's not a high percentage play, so your catch rate naturally is going to come down because you're not running routes that cater to a high reception rate to begin with. But that being said, it still shouldn't be that low. Now, 90, over 90%, Mike, I'm just going to tell you, there was nobody in the league over 90%. Nobody. Right. right. Khalil Shakir was up at the top of the league. He was at 87. Nobody's over 90. Um, There's just too many variables in play there uh, for catch rate. But I will say you bring up an interesting point concerning what his value is going to be on the free agent market because it's not only the number of other receivers in the free agent pool that can compromise your value on the free agent market – As we saw last year with safeties, Jordan Poyer wanted to get big money. There were 18 starting safeties in the league in the free agent market, and there weren't 18 teams that needed a starting safety. His value on the free agent market wasn't what he thought it would be at all. And only the tippy top of the crop got paid big money like Jesse Bates. Nobody else did at the safety position. Could it happen at receiver? It could for two reasons. Not only because of the supply of other receivers in the free agent market, but because this is a much ballyhooed wide receiver class in the draft. So if you don't have gobs of cap space and you want to get an accomplished receiver and you have a respectably good draft pick, you may choose to go with cheap labor in the draft rather than sign a free agent, the likes of Gabe Davis. And I'm just going to put this out there. The Bills may even come to that conclusion themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, No question, Gabe's going to test the market. What that market is remains to be seen. Gabe's numbers are what they are. Um, and there are going to be some other guys out there on the free agent market uh, that may be more attractive than Gabe Davis for some teams. So, you know, and we'll see. He said, we'll see. Got to take a break here. 803 We'll get to uh, people holding there. Bill on a cell, Ron in Buffalo, Paul in Florida, Ray J in Buffalo. Got your phone calls next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, let's get right to the phones because we got uh, several people waiting. So we'll uh, go to Bill on a cell first here. What's up, Bill? going good uh all right hope, hopefully you can give me like 30 seconds to rank okay because i'm a little behind because i'm missing on the app chris 
a few weeks back or several weeks back, you put a moratorium on window closing talk. Right. Can we get can we get a moratorium on dig smashing talk? I have to know where people get this stuff from. Okay. The la- I've been a Bills fan for thirty five, almost forty years. All right. The last few years, my son has fallen in love with the team. We've spent a lot of time around the team, a bunch of games, training camp. We go to the blue and red scrimmage every year. Stefan Diggs is the heart and soul of this team. He loves Josh. He loves his teammates. Josh loves him. Do we need some other receivers? Yes. But you can pencil Diggs in for 100 catches and 1,000 yards next year right now. Where are people getting this nonsense about Stephon Diggs? It's like all they do is listen to ESPN, and they don't pay attention to what goes on around Buffalo. Yeah, I, It's driving me crazy, guys. Yeah, it's Where does un- it come from? It's a national narrative, unfortunately, um, cultivated you know, out of the press conference last year you know, where Coach said he was concerned. But I think he was concerned about Stefan the person, not his place on the roster or his job security or anything like that. And I think it just got spun into something that was completely off the mark. Um, And then it became a national narrative after that. And every time national media sees Stefan Diggs, they saw him a lot last week at Radio Row at the Super Bowl, they haven't spoken to him or heard any news about him since it was an off-season discussion. Right. So because they can't come up with any clever or more interesting line of questioning, they go right back to that to see if anything's different or otherwise. So it's a lack of creativity on the part of the national media who could ask him a, a bunch of different things, you know, including how things went with the new coordinator for the second half of the season and how were you able to string together six consecutive victories even though your involvement in the offense wasn't as prominent as it was in the first half of the season. That would have been a good question. But, yeah. you know, instead they gravitate to what grabbed headlines back in May, June, and July. Right, and we had, uh, uh, who was it, Matt Harmon on yesterday from Reception Perception, Um uh, and he he talked of Diggs at the Super Bowl, and, and both he and I agreed after listening to the in, interview. Steph's very upbeat, yeah, really upbeat about his I, head's in a good his, place. Yeah, he seems like he's in a really good headspace. Really liked it. Had a lot of reasons why his production dropped off, and he was okay with it. He's being a good teammate, and he's all about it. Um, couldn't have been a better interview. So I, I I'm kind of with you, Bill. I'm we we had one caller today that that you know was kind of fed up with Steph for his own reasons I whatever they are uh but it's kind of like what you said they they get this idea that somebody's talking to them and saying stuff about one of your players they may or not know, may or may not know what they're talking about and a lot of people I've seen this happen a ton with this team more so than any other team you see guys getting into it on the sidelines all of a sudden it's all going to blow up in their face you see it happen with other teams and it's like nothing Nobody says anything about it. I'm just going to say it never this. means anything. Having covered this team during the Flutie Johnson <laughs> three-year situation, I about that. having covered that for three years where that was the dominant story, I can tell you unequivocally that was generated by the player who was Flutie. Um, this situation was not generated by Stefan Diggs, but the national media takes something – runs with it, morphs it into something that's controversial, that draws eyeballs, 
and they beat it like a dead horse. Um, unfortunately, it's something you can't control outside of turning off whatever station has that narrative still going almost nine months after the fact. Let's go to Bill in Buffalo next. What's up, Bill? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Yeah, show's great. Look at I'm. I was listening to all the draft uh, analysis that you guys had on all the people you had on. I believe, without a doubt, that Josh needs a wide receiver or two. But if the time comes and we haven't signed good defensive linemen, especially tackles, I think that sweat would have to go first unless they targeted a wide receiver that they really need. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I get it. Devondre Sweat is the kid you're talking about, the 362-pounder from Texas. Uh, he is a load. I don't think there's any question about that. His teammate, Byron Murphy, is actually considered a better prospect than him, more athletic and, and not just a space eater. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see. I think Sweat will be there at the bottom of round one. And, and you're right. If the value is not right at receiver when the bills are on the clock, Brandon Bean is not reaching for a receiver. That's not the right. way he operates. Right. He will take the best value, and if he feels there's a better value at defensive tackle, where there is unequivocally a need for the Bills, he'll go that direction. We've seen him do it before. I I agree with and This is where Brownie and I kind of diverge. It's you know the wide receiver train's coming down the track, and you can't you can't get out of the way. It's going to come through. <laughs> uh, but my my point is this, and we've always said this too. Um, when you're drafting high in the top of the draft, and I mean that means like the first round and a half, you're going to get guys who are physically different if they're at one of those positions, like offensive tackle, offensive line, defensive tackle, defensive end, one of those. They're going to be different. They're going to look like they're different. If you're not going to get one of those guys, you can get a wide receiver that can really help your team. But I think when push comes to shove, I've said it a ton, those guys are genetically different. They're rare. And as, there may be six in this draft, but those are the six guys in the entire on the entire planet who are qualified for the spot because of their physical gifts and their training. They're rare. You got to get one when you can get one. And wide receivers, you can you know you hope you can find a Steph Diggs in the fifth round kind of thing, uh, but you can't find a three hundred and sixty pounder who can you know play the three technique in the th- fifth round. It's just not going to happen. So that's, that's where I'm, I'm kind of get it. And that's why I said if they take a wide out with number one, they can take a D lineman with the, with the 60th pick and then take another wide out, right? But if they take a wide out first, you know, then they're going to get a D lineman with one of those next couple of picks. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. But that's what I, I, I'm kind of with you. D-line might be a higher priority when the draft hits because of what happens in free agency, and we don't know what that's going to be. But it might be a higher priority, so they may have to take a guy at 28. But uh, they are going to walk out of this draft. If they don't take one at 28, they're going to come out with three wideouts of this draft. And if they take one at 28, maybe it'll be two. Yeah. Let's go to Ron in Buffalo next. What's up, Ron? Hey, how you doing? Uh yeah, he you answered uh, all that stuff, Diggs. But I would like to get him on the show and really air everything out and get it all over and done with all these Love idiots. Love to have him. But, yeah, that. Yep. Um, Go ahead. But uh, I like legit from South Carolina that wide receiver. Yeah, I like them uh, too from uh, 
Texas also, and uh, that Murphy, I think, is a good uh, defensive tackle, too. So Yeah, Byron Murphy, right. Um, you know, uh, I'm leaving it up to the process. I mean, so far we've been all right. So Yeah. But I, I'd like to see a – I think we could get some good wide receivers in the second, third round. So, okay. I know. Fair, fair enough, Ron. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, the class is deep. We know that. Um, I just think what the Bills need is an alpha male on one side and a field stretcher on the other to help the guys that are here. And the alpha males are at the top of the draft. Uh, you could get a good player in the second round, the third round. I mean, heck, Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. He turned out to be pretty dang good. Um and there are other examples of that. As a matter of fact, there's a nice history of round two success stories at the receiver position in recent years, not just in the distant past. So I, you know, I'm not going to be bent out of shape if they don't take a wide receiver in round one. Um, you just got to remember, by the time you get to round two, you're practically in the third round already because the Bills pick 60th, unless they find a way to move up the board. So right. there's something to keep in mind there. Your pick at 28 is practically in round two, um, and Le- and right. Leggett is a nice player. Little shorter, six one, thickly built. You know, built more like a Debo Samuel type. A lot of people are making those comparisons because he went to South Carolina too. I don't know that he's Debo Samuel. His catch rate isn't as high, but Debo Samuel was a second round pick. So, yeah, they are. You can find them for sure. You can find them. We are up against the clock here. We got to step aside here. We'll try to squeeze in a phone call or two when we come back on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. rifle through a couple of calls here at the end of the show to Paul in Florida. Listen, um, hi, Chris. Hi, Steve. Listen, it doesn't really matter who Josh is throwing the ball to next year. If they don't find a way to protect him from free rushers, he's not going to have any more success than he did this year at the end of the season. I mean, Shakir was open on the play just before they attempted the field goal. He was open in the back of the end zone. Josh can't find him. So many times that that's been true where even, you know, like Gabe has been open and he, he simply doesn't have time to find him. Now, the Bills are going to be playing 12 playoff games, playoff teams next year. Those, those defensive coordinators are right now planning, finding ways to bring free rushers on Josh. So unless they find a way to protect him, it, it won't matter if they take the, the first wide receiver in the draft or not. I had the pleasure of uh, seeing Cookie Gilchrist play, and there was no, there's never been anyone like him. But yeah. the one thing he could do better than anybody is to protect Jack Camp. I mean, he you didn't want to you want to even try to get through him. He was unbelievable. All right, I respect what we, you're saying, Paul. Uh, we are short on time, so I do have to move along. I think we got the gist of what you were getting at. I will tell you this: uh, Josh Allen was one of the least sacked quarterbacks in football. And the Bills were either first or second in the league in sack percentage allowed. So it might have been the best offensive line season in the Sean McDermott era. Um, and if you're talking about free rushers, that's just a good schemer. Yeah, you, you've only got so many guys to block. <laughs> if the defensive coordinator wants to, he can send an extra guy every single defensive snap. So a free rusher is two things. One, they've got more guys rushing than you have blockers. Or two... 
the, the scheme up front is has been miscommunicated or misguessed by Josh. When Josh is back there saying, hey, 55 is the mic or 62 is the mic, 57 is the mic, that's Josh setting the, setting the protection. So if they send four guys or five guys, there should be five guys to block them. If there isn't, if a guy comes through free on a four-man rush and somebody steps the wrong way, that's on Josh, not the offensive line. Um, all of that's going on. I, I see what you're saying, and I, I would agree with you, although not not this year. Um, their offensive line was was really good this year. Um, and the things you're talking about when a guy's running open, that's, I got to tell you, that's on Josh. Yeah. Got a uh, special birthday wish to throw out to a daily listener. It's uh, it's Grandma Q. She uh, recently broke her leg, and it is her 92nd birthday today. So happy birthday to her, and thanks for listening to the show. Also a happy birthday to my brother-in-law, Mo, who turns the big 6-0 today. Have a happy birthday, sir. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch up with you tomorrow at 1. We'll see you then.